Our scripture this morning is from Romans 12, 1 through 8. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. As you notice every week from the title on the screen, we've been in a long series called Adjusting Our Focus. Now, uh, what I'm sure most of you haven't noticed is that whole series is broken down into mini-series. Yeah, I knew that escaped. I can see the blank look on your face. It escaped your notice. We're terribly creative. We never brag about it. But, um, yeah, so we broke it down into mini-series, right? And the last mini-series we were in, as it related to adjusting our focus, had to do with identity, our identity. And what we said in that series, in summary, is that we find our identity, our true identity, in Jesus Christ. Namely, what does it mean to be the image of God to the world? That's where our true identity comes from. So this week, uh, in a second part of a new series on community... I'm doing my best to tell you up front what I'm trying to do. You can tell me whether or not it's successful. I'm trying to tie the previous series about identity into this mini-series called Community. And in particular, I'm trying to do that today. At the very beginning of uh, St. Augustine's work, there's a variety of places where such thoughts appear. We hear words like this, O Lord, our heart, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. That speaks to our identity. If we want to know ourselves fully, we find our rest in God He also says, grant, Lord, that I may know myself so that I may know you. 
A similar quote comes from John Calvin. He says this, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. And without knowledge of God, there is no knowledge of self. One more quote, and then we'll get to the text from Thomas Merton. A humble self-knowledge is a surer way to God than a search for deep learning or through deep learning. What you will notice, I think, if you think about those quotes and if you've read these authors, is that there is a theme. And the theme looks something like this. Looking within ourselves, looking at ourselves, we recognize a number of things. We recognize sin, primarily. How we fall short of God's glory. But as to the knowledge of God, when we look at ourselves and then look outward to God, we recognize the exact, exact opposite. Where I fall short and am sinful, I look at God and I think perfection, holiness. So to actually know myself and find my identity, I have to understand my sinfulness and understand God's holiness. And then, then insert into that the notion of forgiveness and grace. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, which we haven't gone through bit by bit, basically has given us a story about sin about grace and about salvation. And then he tells the Christians at Rome, I have some instructions for you based on all I've mentioned before. And my instructions to you are how to live. How do you live with the knowledge of yourself and the knowledge of God? What does that look like? Well, let me read the first part of Romans 12, which was not in our reading, but the prelude to it. Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Right? He's already been talking about sin and grace and mercy and redemption. I urge you, in light of all that, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not... Conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. A lot of times what we do with those verses is, uh, especially in verse 2, we ask ourselves the question, what or how is one transformed by the renewing of his or her mind? And then, like many theologians and pastors, myself included, we launch into an overview of Scripture concerning sin and grace and all these kinds of things, and we move towards spiritual disciplines like Bible study and prayer and fasting and all those different things. That's not improper at all. But I want to do something different this morning 
to ask the question, what does it mean to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? And I think it's right in front of us. Because when we get to verse 3, we hear these words. Pretend like there's no break or paragraphs or, or even verses. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. You will be renewed by the renewing of your mind. And, and then he says, for the grace that has been given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think of yourself with sober judgment. Is it possible that the pathway to self-knowledge and God-knowledge begins with humility? I think it's not only possible, I believe that's what he's saying. You know, we have the opposite instinct, don't we, when we think about self. The opposite instinct, our natural instinct, is to think about who we are and how we can be what we want to be. What we don't first think of when we think of self and discerning the will of God is humility. There's an interesting opposite reaction to the topic of humility. Uh, Some forms of an approach to humility go something like this. Whenever you're humble, you never take credit for anything God has given you and anything you've done. Such that if somebody says to you as a member of the choir, that was the most beautiful rendition I've ever heard of X, Y. Or if somebody says that to Dr. Horn, or if somebody says that to me, the improper response is false piety. Oh, no, no, I, I, that, that, I'm sorry, I, that's, it wasn't good enough. Or, no, no, I'm sorry, even though I just preached a sermon, you don't understand. It, it's not all it's cracked up to be in my life. I, oh, boy, my, just a cloud over the gift that God has given you. That's something that false piety creates in us. It's a false kind of humility. If God has given you a gift, says Paul, to exercise in the community of faith, then exercise that gift with joy. And if someone thanks you for the gift that you've exercised with joy, don't try to downplay the gift. That's false humility. Now, there's another opposite reaction to this, which is that we tend to be, or sometimes are, well, narcissistic. We're constantly thinking of ourselves, right? You know the story of Narcissus? It actually is a Greek mythology and it has variations. Uh, So not all the stories about Narcissus are exactly the same. But Narcissus was an individual who was enamored by himself. Uh, And as a matter of fact, one day he saw his reflection in a pool. And he was so enamored by his own reflection that he couldn't stop looking at it. All he could do was think about who was in the pool, which was himself. And he was so enamored by what he saw in the pool that he died right there. And in his place grew a flower. 
a flower that is often known as a narcissist flower. Isn't that fascinating? All he could think about was himself. So one extreme is to say, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. It's not that good. The gift that God has given me in the other extreme is to focus on yourself and whatever gift God has given you to try to become great with it. That's the opposite. Just muted myself. There we go. Maybe I wasn't supposed to say that. I'll just turn it off again. Uh, So when we think about verse 3a, we hear these words again, for the grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but rather think in sober judgment. The lesson is not just don't think of yourself more highly than you should think. It also means, well, don't concentrate on your own humility. Don't try to be humble. Relax with what God has given you and serve. So instead, Paul says, be realistic. Have a self-awareness concerning your own giftedness. The second part of the answer to how we find the will of God, how we do what is good and pleasing to him, comes in the second section of verse 3. Think in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. What is it that God has distributed to each of you? He's going to start talking about the gifts. What gifts do you have for the body of Christ, this community of Christ followers? Think about those. And as you think about those, remember this. They're gifts. You didn't earn them. We know this is true of our birth. We know we didn't choose which family we were going to be born into. We know we didn't choose the color of our hair or the color of our skin. That's pretty simple. But Paul suggests that the gifts that you have for the body of Christ were given to you. They're a gift. How could you boast in a gift, says Paul? Don't do that. Just use them. I got to be honest with you. Um, I was born into a family that I didn't choose like everybody else. And for whatever reason, into that family, my genetic code gave me red hair and a fair complexion, which had a lot more freckles when I was a kid than I do now. And I hated my red hair and I hated my freckles and I hated my pale skin. Thank you, Mac. You understand me. I always wanted to have brown hair and olive-toned skin. And I look with envy on those friends of mine that did. You say, well, that's got to be silly. Well, okay. Maybe it is silly, but it's what I was thinking. Now, be honest with yourself. 
How many times, perhaps not because of your skin, but because of something else, you have said to yourself, oh, I'd like to be that. I wish I had that gift. My gift is not as important. My gift makes me feel less than significant. You shouldn't feel that way. Because your gift, whatever it is, was given to you by God. And you shouldn't feel proud about it because it was given to you by God. The second thing I want to emphasize, and this is all going into the spiritual gifts, which we're not going to discuss this morning. That's next week. The other thing I want to emphasize that comes from this passage is this. Verse 5. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Here's the point that Paul wants to hammer home, and especially in 1 Corinthians 12, he does as well. The gifts are not for you. God didn't give you the gift to make you think better of yourself. God actually didn't give you the gift so you could be self-saturated like narcissists. God did not give you the gift so you could feel great about yourself, even in the most proper way. God gave you the gift according to Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 for one reason and one reason only. To serve others. That's why you have the gift. It's not for yourself. It's not for your self-identity. It's for God, and it reflects his image when exercised on behalf of others. Do you realize how counterintuitive that is to our worldly thinking? I mean, just think about it. We hardly exist in that paradigm. We hardly have an identity in that paradigm. Our identity is so wrapped up in what God has given us and our ability to give it to others that we, we, we lose ourselves. Maybe that's what Jesus meant when he said, if you want to find yourself, lose yourself. For me in the gospel, and then you'll find yourself. We think we're wired in a certain way, and uh, we usually are. And then sometimes we're frustrated by our own wiring, and we want to be someone else. Just a cheeky little analogy. I don't like math. Okay? Just don't. I know God created numbers and math and all that. And I know it's a beautiful thing for people who understand it. And I know there's brilliant people who can just think light years beyond me in math. But I don't care. I don't like math. It's not my gift. But if somebody assigned me 
This is not so off the mark because I once did teach sixth graders. If somebody assigned me the job of being the math teacher for sixth graders, you know what I am confident of? I am confident that I could master the math skills that are required for sixth graders. Okay? I know I could do it. And I could spit it out and I could show them how to do it and I could be a good teacher. But I would hate it. Because I don't like math. It's not like I hate sixth graders. I love sixth graders. Anybody here a sixth grader? I love you guys. Every one of you. But I'm not going to teach you math. Okay? I just don't do math like that. It's kind of like that when it comes with the spiritual gifts. If you see someone who has a spiritual gift that you think spectacular or you think is great, you say to yourself, I wish I had that. Don't. Be like me with math and say, I don't want that. That's yours. Do it. God gifted me another way. That's a beautiful way to live. I wish it was the way I lived all the time because I get jealous too. I get jealous of other people's gifts. Uh, last thing I want to say, and um, it's a good thing we canceled friendliness this morning because I'm already running out of time. Um, our minds cannot be renewed by ourselves. That's latent in this text. Paul's saying, I'm giving you this gift, this gift of grace that God has delivered to me. And with this gift of grace that God has delivered to me, God gives you gifts for the body of Christ. It's not for you, it's for others. And you'll never completely be renewed until you exercise the gifts properly. Verse 5, particularly 5b, so in Christ... We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Do you want to be renewed? It doesn't happen in isolation. Because you were wired to serve. You want to be renewed? Your private devotional life is wonderful, but that's not enough. You need to live in community. You need to serve others. And you need to delight in the gifts that others have to serve you. And then in community, we perhaps find the answer to the question, what does it mean to be transformed by the renewing of our minds? means to exercise the gift in the service to others and in the community to learn something about God and ourselves. That's, that's the prerequisite to being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not just heady stuff. Not just Bible memorization. Not just prayer. But community. 
As you think uh, about who you are, I'm sure things are coming to mind, right? Your area of giftedness. As you think about who you are, remember this. You were designed to be in relationship with God. And as Augustine said, your heart's always going to be restless unless you find your rest in him. Which means it makes no difference where you are in any life circumstance. Getting out of the life circumstance is not going to make you restful. It might reduce some stress. It might alleviate some concern. But true rest is found in Jesus Christ. Second, remember this. You were created in the image of God. So I have a tiny little exercise for you that may be very painful. I know it will be for me, but I'm going to do it. Tomorrow morning when I wake up, after I take my shower, I'm going to look into the mirror and I'm going to say, that's the image of God. Can you do that? Just try it. And then ask God, what he's trying to teach you about yourself and the gifts he's given you. Third, you were given particular gifts so that you can serve others. Fourth, don't envy someone else's gifts. You're just not going to get them. Because it's God that distributes them. And it's likely whatever gift you see in the other that you really admire, you're supposed to depend on and be thankful for in the other and not covet for yourself. And besides that, you know what, the way you're wired, here's a reality. There's some things you'll never be able to do. I mean, I know a little bit about the differences between musicians. And I hope I'm not being offensive, but I hear that violinists are very precise kind of uptight individuals. Okay, say that's a stereotype. Okay, you can just mock me for it, but I've heard it enough. So I want to tell you something. There's no way on God's green earth that if I practice violin 12 hours a day for the rest of my life, I would be a good violinist. It's not in there. It's not me. I can't do it. But somebody's got the gift. Thanks be to God. And they will. So when they get up here and play that violin that I think that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. I wish I could. No, you don't. What you wish is that you could find glory in that individual and thank God for their gift. Last word, I promise. Last word is this. This week, 
take delight in yourself. I don't mean do delightful things. I don't mean quit your job and have fun. I, I mean, take delight in who God has made you to be. Why not take delight in it? Because God takes delight in you. So it's the proper thing to do. Take delight in yourself. That you've been created in the image of God. That you've been given gifts to serve one another. That you are a part of a community of faith. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that we're all different. Thank you that our differences are beautiful. I even thank you that our differences are a little irritating. Um, For one reason or another, because we're jealous or because the gift just bothers us. What we know, Lord, is in the middle of community as we serve and we give our gift to you through service to another that we continue to become the image of God to our community and to our world. So give us the discipline to be that person who delights in your image within us and give us the joy that comes from expressing the image of God through our gifts and community. These things we pray through Christ, the giving Lord. Amen.